I think so many of us, we tolerate a low level of just putting up with how, whatever it may be, corporate is what we're referring to now, but how other people want us to live our lives. And it's it just puts a shell around what could be possible for us. Welcome to Wealthy and Aligned by Human Design, the podcast dedicated to helping you use human design in your business from the ground up. You have everything you need right now to start serving the world with immense value and get paid to do it. In this podcast, I teach you how. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. So this week, I have another Inner Circle student on the show. Denise Verneri is a 6'3 sacral generator and a former educator with a master's in English literature and writing. She's a multi-six-figure business coach helping other soul-led entrepreneur business owners scale their businesses peacefully and profitably. She's wildly passionate about helping them build real wealth and create legacies from their gifts while maintaining and living a lifestyle that makes them feel wildly fulfilled. She's the host of the Uncensored Podcast, Marketing, Messaging, and Sales. She's known to be a compassionate coach with an edge. She believes we can do the work we love, monetize our gifts, and create the impact we want. And when she's not traveling and working from the road, she lives in New Jersey with her husband, Rich, three kiddos, Lily, Luca, and Ryan, with their two golden doodles, Lennon and Binks. <laughs> so I wanted to have her on the show to tell a little of her story and have her let you in on some of her best kept secrets around what it means to build a sustainable business through word of mouth and being visible and bold. And she's had her own journey around being comfortable showcasing her boldness and really becoming unapologetic about maintaining her life of freedom, which is a true embodiment of her life's work, Gene Key number 55, and not compromising her mental, physical, and spiritual health for her business to turn a profit. So welcome to the show, Denise. I'm so glad we were finally able to make this one work. Yes. Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me. I'm really excited to to be on the show. I've been listening to your podcast probably since the first episode you ever dropped. So it's <laughs> kind of like full circle to be on here and I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll start with how I came to be a coach in the first place because I did have my background is in education. So it was an educator in New York City for 17 years. And I taught high school English. I also taught, I was an adjunct professor at two universities and um, I'm a mom of three. And while I was teaching, I always had this love for holistic wellness. It just was a, a an interest of mine. I like to think of myself as like a student forever. Um, and I found yoga and then I found a lot of other, you know, the yoga opens like the doors to so many of these other practices, energetic practice, holistic wellness and things like that. And so I've yeah. studied, I've, you know, a three, a 200 hour, 300 hour yoga teacher training. I sit on the faculty for a bunch of yoga studios, yoga programs. Um, I studied Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, Reiki, energetics, somatics, you name it. And I just had such a passion for it um, that while I was teaching, I just wanted to like share this information with people. So I had a side business as a, as a wellness coach and, you know, yoga teacher. 
And I had a lot of younger yoga, not, I wouldn't even say younger, just newer yoga teachers want to learn my method for teaching. A lot of my mm. classes and workshops would sell out and I'm a, I'll just own it. I'm a very dynamic yoga teacher. I have a very distinct style. <laughs> and a lot of like my students were like, how do you sequence? Your classes are so fun. And you always say like the thing, like you're in my head. How do you do that? And I just slowly started mentoring yoga teachers, which then in that mentorship that I ran, a lot of them would ask questions about business because they were like, you're successful. You work full time as a teacher, you're a mom, like, how are you doing these things? And so a lot of the work I was doing in that mentorship was not just with their craft, but it became about their business. And from there, word spread, you know, even further that, oh, you know, she coaches us on business. So I had a few coaches reach out and say, mm. you know, could you help me with mine? And I wasn't even online. I want to be real, really clear when Danielle introduced me and said, like, the power of word of mouth, like, I'm a living, breathing embodiment of that because I wasn't even online. I didn't own a yoga studio. This was purely me going into other people's businesses and delivering value. And from those places, like, I just... I, I can't even say it was selling. That's what I looking back. That's what I was doing, but I didn't call it that. Yeah. Well, I just, you were so aligned. Yeah. It you was just, just so, doing the thing that really lit you up. Yeah. And I see it all the time. Like the, the ideas that I had, they were like, some of them weren't even mine. They were like <laughs> suggestions that people would, you know what? I'd love to learn from you. I'd love, I'd love to learn how do you do your hands-on adjustments because you walk around the room and you manage to get to everything. They're, they feel amazing. And you know what? A month later, there was a workshop for adjustments on because I was like, oh, that's actually a really good idea. And I would just run with it. And they were successful because I knew how to listen to my audience and I didn't do anything that didn't feel good to me. I only did what felt like it was going to be fun. and. Mm -hmm. I ended up being successful. And when I transitioned online, I, of course, there was growing pains there, but I took a lot of what worked for me in person and started, you know, making it work for the online space. Um, and at some point, like before, I would say before the pandemic, I had decided that I think I wanted to make my business my full-time, you know, replace my salary. Being an educator, uh, it's doing God's work for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's never about the kids. I see this all the time. My kid, my students were, I had rough, I had students from all sorts of places <laughs> and even my most challenging students I loved. They were like the most, it was a lot of the red tape and bureau, you know, bureaucracy. We don't need to get yeah. into that, but yeah, it became very Just typical corporate, typical corporate, yeah. lots of red tape, lots of stress, a lot of work eking into my own personal time. And I just saw this thing that I was really passionate about that I had never thought could make, like replace my salary. And then one day I just had this thought like, well, what if it could? Mm. And I tried and I went after it and I left, I left teaching. I left corporate. It's been like three years now, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm full-time in my business. And now what I do is I help other service-based owners, you know, coaches, consultants, wellness practitioners scale their businesses to multiple six figures and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Love, loving every second. <laughs> yes, for sure. I know we've talked a little bit about that, but what was that moment where you were like, enough is enough. I'm leaving corporate and I'm going all in on this. I, oh man, there were so many. <laughs> I think there was, well, the one distinct moment that really, really stands out was after I had my second child, mm -hmm. after my second, um, I was on my maternity leave and I was 
an adjunct at a local, uh, one of the local universities already. And they were offering me more classes. And I kind of remember there being this, like, if you're on maternity leave, it's considered a conflict of interest. Like you can't be on maternity leave and also work anywhere else. And I, you know, I called my union and I just remember like, but that makes no sense <laughs> that I'm on maternity leave and to adjunct it's two classes. It's like four, five, five hours a week versus 40 hours. And I can make my own schedule. So you're telling me while I'm on my maternity leave that I'd like to extend till my kid is five, frankly, I can't work part-time. They're like, no, it's a conflict of interest. Mm. I said, how? I said, what if I was like folding shirts in old Navy? Like that's got nothing to do at, at, from six to 9 PM. Like, nope. If you can work, you can come back. And that's what it dawned on me that like this entity is really overstepping boundaries on how I get to live my life. In mm. that yeah. I remember crying, crying. Cause all I wanted to do is really be home with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still wanted to work. It's not that I didn't want to work. It just, I wanted to be home more. And yeah. this, this outside entity felt like it had so much power over me. And I was like, something is fundamentally wrong here that I'm giving that much power. And apparently a lot of other people are too. Yes. Um, and I think that was the breaking point for me that I was like, this cannot, this cannot be, this, this will not be for the rest of my life. Uh, and that was a few, a few years, um, that I start, and I had started paying a little more attention to my business and thinking like, if I treated this like a business, I wonder what would happen. And that was really the spark. And then right before the pandemic, we had a very challenging person in charge. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> um, and it was, I mean, I went to therapy and it was the first time I had somebody tell me, you know, you have PTSD from that. Oh, and wow. it shocked me. Danielle. Yeah. It shocked me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. And so yeah. those were the, those were the two moments that really, really, really stand out to me is like, this is not sustainable for the long haul. Yeah. You, I really wanted to uh, bring that up because I think, I think so many of us, we tolerate a low level of just putting up with how, whatever it may be, corporate is what we're referring to now, but how other people want us to live our lives. And it's it just puts a shell around what could be possible for us. You know, so I just, I really wanted to, you know, for me, it was like, it, when I was going to leave nursing, I... First of all, I was like, first, the way you're doing things is actually not in the patient's best interest. The way you're doing things, that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. So it's like you saw this level of, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense to me. And then when I confronted them on it, it was, let's go put her in another, um, in another wing with, without training her, without giving her what she needs to be good at it and pass, you know, be who she needs to be to take care of the patients. And basically we'll just see her fall and then fire her. So I saw the writing on the wall and I was like, it was the, a wake up moment that I, once you wake up to that, you can't go back to sleep on that. Like you can't be like, oh, well maybe it'll be different somewhere else. It all like the puzzle pieces all come together and you just go, actually, this is not what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And 
to your point, like I actually <laughs> transferred schools. I worked in two schools in, during my career and it was the same thing. And it wasn't even like the people in that particular school. It's just the system in general. That's just how somebody decided at some point in time, this is how we're going to operate. And then everybody just kind of went along with it to keep their job safe. Yeah. And that, that was what I think you were speaking to. That's not in the best interest of the patient. One of the things that became really apparent for me was like a lot of what they were making us do was like so much, it felt like so much pressure on the teachers, but it also was not in service of the student. It was, it became so out of integrity for me to be thinking about students as numbers, as like, you know, just their like ID numbers and not as actual or demographics that they check off boxes for. And, you know, it just, it felt so gross. Um, and that's just not, you know, and I, I, when I started, that's not how education was. So I had something to contrast it where some of the newer teachers, like, I don't think they really realized that teaching used to be so completely different. Teachers had so much more autonomy that really felt like from the top down, everybody cared about the kids. Now there's just, it's, it's a lot about money and it just became out of integrity for me. And, you know, frankly, I see that happening in some businesses too. So I know that it's not, uh, it's not education alone or the nurse medical field alone. I think it's, you know, when, when money is the number one thing, we lose touch with the people that we're really meant to serve. Mm -hmm. And I just like vowed not to do that in my business. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't attract, I attract like people who are like you and you and I, who are just like, we want really want to help people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and helping means you can make a lot of money doing that. Oh yeah. yeah. We're you very don't have to sell your soul that. to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're <laughs> you don't very have to compromise on your values or your integrity. Like you can, you can make as much money as you want and keep your values intact. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like that because in, I remember in the very beginning I was thinking, I mean, well, I won't mention any names, but we can all kind of imagine names in our head where we're like, well, I can think of some pretty rich, powerful men who are not operating in integrity, who are not in alignment, but they're very, very, very wealthy. And one of the things that just kept coming to me was it's not going to last. It's just not going to last. And I do deeply believe that the way that we're seeing business and corporations operate now, like, I don't believe that is going to last. I mean, I think something happened in 2020 where we all kind of woke up to what's actually happening. I mean, you did something similar. I left nursing before 2020, thank God, but you left before 2022. And then there was this whole new opportunity that, that came into your life really, because you, I mean, I, I feel like it's, we can just see things a little bit further ahead because we are a little more awake and just in tune to the intuition. And I think that's true for everyone listening. I think you're here listening to this because if you haven't already started your own, you know, income portal and business, you're like, whatever income portal you're living off of, you might be questioning and thinking, is this going to sustain? Is this something that could sustain me for the rest of my life? And so, you know, that's the whole reason I do this podcast is to give people like permission to to really go in on the thing that lights them up. But that's what happened was you were just, I'm really into yoga and Ayurveda yeah. and I'm just really into this. And yeah. that was your, like your wealth code. You, yeah. you called in the success that way. 
Yeah. I, I think everybody who's listening, like just take stock of what your gifts are. What's your, where's your experience? What, where's your expertise? And you can leverage that in a business, like for sure. It just, I think for me, it was just a matter of like that light bulb going off. Like, what am I doing? I have a master's degree in writing, in literature. I like, I actually taught rhetoric for nine years at the university level, which is all about like ethical, persuasive, you know, speech and writing. Like this is what I taught for nine years. Then I have this huge knowledge base around holistic wellness. So I just leverage all of these things in my business. Mike, I I just had a client, um, who a, a couple of weeks ago, she, she tagged me in a post And yes, we worked on her marketing. Yes, we worked on her curriculum, like for her group program. And we worked on her offer. We did all the business things. But in the post she tags me in, she writes that one of her biggest breakthroughs in, you know, over two years of coaching was the day that she got coached by me, that it was okay to take a day off from work because she had (laughs) never taken a day off. Get this, Danielle, in 48 years. She was a nurse practitioner. So I'm sure this will speak to you. Oh my 48 gosh. years, this woman never took a day off. So like the coaching, I, w- I, I was able to suspend coaching on messaging and coaching on marketing and just dive right into my toolbox on holistic wellness and, and mindset coaching. And she said that was one of the biggest breakthroughs she had in coaching. Mind you, this woman signed $125,000 coaching contract, brought in 50 grand in private clients. But her biggest breakthrough was <laughs> I took, I called in sick to work. Yeah. Right. So I'm, and I'm like, this woman had a, had a doctorate. She was qualified like crazy. I was like, you can be leveraging all of these things in your business. Let's, let's package that up. And she left her job. She did. Wow. She had, So not only did she call in sick, but she also, she learned how to put herself first and she resigned from that position and yeah. she's full time in her business. But, yeah. um, you, you, everybody on this call, like you have something, you have a gift, you have an expertise, and maybe you just haven't asked yourself good questions. Like what, what, am I good at? Like, what are people always asking me for? And, you know, what do I have a degree in? How can I leverage that in my own coaching or consulting business? Like you don't have to be a slave to someone else. You can be, you can, you can do things for yourself. And I think that's what happened with me. It was like one day the light bulb went on. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm highly educated. I have all this experience, all this expertise. I genuinely love to help human beings. Like, why am I not doing this for myself? And that, that's really, it was like, I gave myself permission to do it. Yes. Yeah. I think permission is like such a huge key for sure. For sure. Well, let's go into this, um, visibility playbook because I Mm -hmm. love it. And I think it's valuable for everyone listening. I really do feel like we are moving into, um, 2024 is going to be the year of actually getting out and being visible, whether we want to or not. That's what's really being called. Um, so tell me about the visibility playbook. Where did it come from? How did you create it? Yeah, I actually created this playbook. Its original four iteration was is like two or three years old. Um, so the playbook that they'll get access to is updated. So it was birthed out of a lot of my clients saying, well, I don't know where to meet clients. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know where to go find them. And so I was like, there's just so many places. Like, let's find, let's come up with all the places and then find what feels good for you. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm so tired 
having this coaching. I'm just going to make a list of a hundred ways to get visible, both online and in person. And I came up with a hundred different ways that you can get visible. So if you're looking to increase your, build your community, um, meet people that might become great referral partners or things like that, there was a hundred, hundred, there's more than a hundred ways, but there's a hundred ways in my visibility playbook. And I even give a little activity at the end of it of what you can, what your next steps are once you have your hands on this playbook. It's like the Bible for um, getting visible, which I agree with you, Danielle, 2024 is going to be about getting more visible Yeah, because um, a big mistake that I see people make is they think that if I just keep posting online, like that's enough Mm -hmm. and you do want to do, there's, you do want to still do that. You want to have a social media strategy because I think when you're posting consistently, that that's the kind of marketing that creates comfort to buy. They see you're mm-hmm. consistent. They get to know about your philosophy and your methods. But the other kind of marketing that you need to pay attention to is uh, community building marketing because you need people to to come into your world consistently, right? You can't just pay attention. You want to you want to pay attention to people who are there already, but you also need to do activities to get new people coming into your world, being part of your community. And that's all what, that's what visibility does. It, yeah. it gets you in front of more people. If I gave your audience like a quick way of thinking about it, the way I think about visibility is how can I leverage someone else's community? How can I serve someone else's community and bring value to somebody else's community that will help me build mine, will be congruent with my own? That's like yeah. the simplest way to think about it. Yeah. And not not just online, everyone, like getting mm-hmm. out in the world and getting in person. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. We are finally at the stage where, and the only reason I say we're finally at the stage is because like before now, I think it would have been too much for me to even consider, but now we're actually looking to collaborate with other brands. Like, I just don't think my business could have held collaborations before now. Like this Mm -hmm. has been the year of like battening down all the hatches because Mm -hmm. of what I just said, like, we're going to go big next year. And that does mean collaborating. I remember, I'll tell this funny story. I remember um, when it was just me and I was like, I'm just going to learn Instagram and Facebook. I met this other person who was really, we were going to do an Instagram switch. Well, I ended up signing a client from one of, I did an Instagram live and on her Instagram and she saw this client who signed with me, saw my Instagram live and I mean, I had like 150 followers. Like it was, it was just brand new Danielle. And I signed a client and this person got offended, got oh. really offended. And I, I remember feeling like, okay, is that going to happen? And if that is like, I don't know that I want to do that. And I had to work through that. Like I had to see that is the universe testing me as no, like be unapologetic about who you are, be unapologetic about being seen, being heard, right? And keep going. And I mean, I can't remember how I dealt with it, but it, it really did send me. Um Yeah, that's an uh that's actually that's very interesting because my like my f- mindset around it and what I would offer to your audience a way to think about it, it's a mutually beneficial collaboration. And you know, if Danielle's talking about brand partnerships, right? Well, she her business at a different place. So for those of you who are like, I'm not ready for brand partnerships, right? Like a very simple thing to do is find somebody, if you're on Instagram, for example, who has a 
like community or maybe it is the same community. It's totally fine, especially when you think about like there's more than enough. Danielle says this all the time on the podcast. So I'm just going to echo there's more than enough for everybody out there. So when you find people that you genuinely jive with and you feel like going live together on Instagram, you know, look at it as it's going to be mutually beneficial. Yes, they might get followers and you might get followers from their audience and you might be signing clients from each other's audience. And that is a beautiful thing. That's like, there's just so much to go around. That's really the way to, to think about it. Don't think about it in like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, what if they get one of my clients? That's scarcity thinking. That is total scarcity thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So collaborations, they're mutually beneficial. Um, and I, that's like the only way that I would ever think about it. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is what we are all here to do is get in community and share our value. And if that value is um, seen and felt by someone in somebody else's community, I mean, you've just created a ripple effect into the world. That person just got what they needed. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we're really here for. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your story in creating this visibility playbook and really just coming out of your own shell. Like you have shown up so bold this year and Mm. it's, I mean, it's palpable. Let's talk a little bit about that story. Okay. So I think that when I, before I was online, like I said, I was in person. So I was very good at showing up live and in person. Like I was an educator. I I always joke that like I had the toughest crowd, which were New York city high schoolers. (laughs) (laughs) I could show up live there show up live anywhere. But something, <laughs> so there was like a switch that happened when I went online and I, over time, cause like, I think we, we work through things on our own because we know like at some point, some clients are going to come and they're going to have that exact thing and you'll be able to support them. I developed a concept I called internal visibility. Okay. So people will talk about like, I want to get visible. I want to get leads or I want to get more people. Or how do I find clients? And I, I often will start with my clients on cultivating their internal visibility, which means how are you seeing yourself? Mm-hmm. Before, Because you can go and try, you know, to go talk to a room full of people or do a live or something like that. But if you're not really owning your own unique brilliance, if you're not really owning who you are, if you're not boldly staking your claim or sharing, you know, polarizing perspectives or sharing your convictions it's going to fall flat. Those visibility opportunities won't go as far because you're not really owning who you are. So the first step is really claiming your authority, cultivating that internal visibility, knowing what contribution you bring, what makes you different, like why somebody should choose you over somebody else in the same industry. Mm -hmm. So you want to cultivate that internal visibility. Because I think when you do that naturally, you're going to want to show up more. Yeah. When you really know who you are and you know what you stand for, you're going to want to go out there and like just help everybody and find all the places that you can go to do that. So that's, that's kind of was the, the birthing of the visibility playbook was like, I know that they want the places to go, but they also need the mindset to be able to show up powerfully in those places. Yeah. And I think that this is not something you just get to work through once. I think as you grow your business, you have to increase your capacity for more visibility. Mm. 
Yes. You have to increase your capacity for being seen by literally more people. You have to increase your capacity to see yourself as being someone who is seen by more people. So this is something that I had to work through at another level. Um, you know, at, even at the beginning of this year was, yeah. you know, wanting to step out bigger and bolder and like all the stuff I thought I worked through all came back up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. New level, new devil. Yep. Right. Right. So I had to work through that. And one of the things that you coached me on a lot was like, I mean, in so many words, you might've even said it as bluntly as this was like, you're hiding. Like you're, <laughs> you're saying the things you're doing the things, but like the bold you that's showing up on a coaching call or telling, you know, if I'm recanting a story about one of my clients and what I said to my client, you're like, well, where's that in your marketing, you know? And like even something so silly, you were like, where's the color in your mind? You have like no color. Yes. Oh, I remember. Yes. It's like little things like that, that like, yeah, I was really playing. Like I had gotten to a very safe and comfortable place mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in my business and it felt really good. And sometimes I think we forget that like in order to go to the next level, we're going to have to break some of the things that we're doing now to go yes. to that next level. Yep. And I got very comfortable here and you coached me a lot on, you know, being more bold and that just showed up like aesthetically. Yes. Um, but also in just being way more bold in my message. And I will say this too, like I coach my clients on this all the time, but this is the power of having a coach because I had blinders on to my own stuff. Yep. yep. And, um, and frankly, too, when like because I do work with people in their marketing all day long, like I was a little fried. So yeah. by the time I was looking at my own stuff, I was like, this is good. And you're like, yes, it's good, but it could be better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, of course I've got your chart, right. And I'm seeing where all these like wealth energetics could be displayed and really put on blast. And of course, knowing you in session and knowing who you are and how you actually speak, I'm like, we got to get that out there for everyone to, to get to know that Denise. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows up in the clients that you do attract in for sure. Yeah. And I will say too, like the, the biggest thing is I feel so much more at home in my business now. Mm. Like I feel so good. Like I just wrapped up a five day training and I, I was telling, we had a call yesterday, but I was saying how like, this has been the most fun launch I've, ha I've ever had. And it's a five day training yeah. where like I've done those 60 minute masterclasses and they were so like pressure filled and it, it, this was not that it just felt like a breath of fresh air. And I think because I gave myself so much permission to follow my, my sacral, yep. my intuition, which when I, that's why I hired you is because you were talking about this sacral energy and like following your gut and like learning how, and what I realized is that so much of the way I was running my business was like meant was from my mind. Yeah. Um, and my ego just wanting to get all up involved. And it was like, what did I say? I think it was like ignoring the neck down. Like the, yeah. just like, meanwhile, there's like this entire body of literal wisdom. And I know this right from holistic wellness and, and <laughs> yoga and what have you, but I was just running my business from the mind and forgetting that there is this like other way to tap into. And it, it feels so good to be operating from there. Yeah. 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 I love that you found that. I love that you found that because I mean, I met you in a mastermind and 
there was this when I left that mastermind, I was like, I can't even think in here. I can't even think in here. What is my next move? <laughs> like, wait, I, I would get on the calls and then I would get off the calls and I would sit in a I remember Noah would be like, mom, just don't get on the calls. And I'm like, no, I have to get on these calls. There's going to be a negative wisdom in there. And I would come off the calls. I'd be like, I feel like shit. Yeah. I cannot function in there. And I I ended up not going back to the calls because mm-hmm. it was like distracting me from my business rather than amping me into something that like I have the sacral too, like something I'm so passionate about going into my business and doing, it was distracting me mostly. Mm -hmm. It was distracting me mostly. So yeah, I had that experience. And then I was in a program before we started working together that some of the methodologies were, there was like, there had to be a strict adherence to the process Mm. because not because like you had to do it that way, but if you strayed from it and then you asked for coaching, well, that's why you didn't get your result. And so I felt awful every time, like, and I can't tell you people who were not getting results and then being like, but I did follow your process. And then it was like, you know, there was no recourse to, to, to really coach Mm. the person. It just felt, it just felt awful where when you're like, and that's not how I coach my clients. I don't make my clients follow this very specific, strict, rigid path because I know that doesn't work. Not for everybody. Yeah. Not for, for, it doesn't work for everybody. We, right. And you know, it just, um, having the, like the reminder of like, here's a process, but also let's like, let's check in and see if your energy is behind that or not. Yeah. Right. Let's, and if not, what, what can we work on together to, you know, still hit your goals? Like that to me is such a, like a, a great way to, to do, to do business. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like I got, I really deeply learned that lesson in this with you, like listening to my sacral and my intuition and like being really mindful of how, cause my, I noticed, like I really caught on to how much my ego wanted to get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 One of the things, um, I love to ask when I have people on the podcast is like, what was the most transformational, um, or helpful thing about using your human design in your business. And I think, I mean, I think you, you said it, but yeah. It what was, was it? Your sacral? Yeah. It was definitely like learning that, like I knew I had that and I could feel it, but I was not, I was overriding it all the time. Ah. So I think what really was the biggest aha was like not overriding it was mm-hmm. re- and trusting like that is for my highest good. Yeah. Just because something on paper looks pretty, if if it's not a, you know, a hell yes for me, then like it's, I'm not going to get the result. Or even if I get the result, like I was saying before, I had those high pressure launches. I had a six-figure launch, mm-hmm. but I needed like a two-week, you know, I needed a two-week break from my business afterwards. Yeah. Like I couldn't function. Yeah. So it wasn't worth it in the end, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I think that is so powerful because we all go, I mean, I don't, I don't do this, but I, you, 
well, the truth is I really didn't. When I started figuring out that people were doing online stuff and you could buy online programs and coaching, because I was new to the world, when new to that world when I mm-hmm. was in my human design experiment. But I I just know that if if you're running through your business and you're operating it based on what you see other people are doing as successful – you might experience success and that will be like your gateway drug to keep doing it that way, right. but it will not be sustainable because it's not in alignment with how your body works and what your rhythms are and what your authority is guiding you to. So yeah, I mean, that's, it's, I think that's the story for, for most people when they find this experiment is look at all the things I've been doing that really weren't in alignment. And now we're, we're going to do some cleanup here. Yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a big thing for me. It's like I would actually rather not have as a, you know, a quote unquote successful launch monetarily, but feel good and enjoy it and not need a break from my business afterwards. Yeah. Because that to me, at some point, I will hit those monetary goals, but I'm gonna hit them in like such an abundant and like yes. Freeway, where like I'm breathing and relaxing yes. the whole time. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. I was um, digging through your Instagram and I found this post. I wanted to read it. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but you you had it. The four things that you stopped doing in your business, and I laughed because I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, share, share, share. So, so you wrote <laughs> number one is you stopped editing yourself online. Mm-hmm. You recognize how much more fun it is not to worry about how my content will land. Um, yeah. And then you wrote number two, I incorporated my values in my business and made necessary shifts. I made some major pivots and was willing to take a revenue cut in order to ensure I was building the business I want. Number three, I launched my way. I followed someone's proven formula that was actually only proven by them and I hated everything about it. I found out it only worked for 10 to 20% of their clients. And you just say, if you've tried proven strategies and they didn't work for you, don't beat yourself up. Like a true mentor has lots of strategies that they can support you in trying the ultimate goal is to find out what works for you. And number four, I slowed down. I was in a rush to scale fast because that's what I was taught to do. Yes, I want to scale so I can help more people, but it should never be at their expense and your expense. Or my own. I, yeah. 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 I slowed down and I'm committed more than ever to build my business based on integrity. That's so how that's... are you able to do all those things? I feel like that's the sacral talking lo- loud and clear yeah. right there. Like in, in the four things, right? Like being more bold in my messaging. Like I think you just, I think for you, like this is the power of a coach is having someone to mirror back to you, like your power. Mm. Like it doesn't mean that you've, you've, you're playing small or, you know, you're purposely hiding or anything like that. It's more like you might've gotten to a certain level and you just, because you don't know what's next, you can't imagine it. So a coach, like what's so great is like, they can help you see what you can't see is next Mm -hmm. for you and just reflect that back to you. So I think like being more bold in my message was really like, what are the things you want to say? And it's okay if you piss people off. And I think this was a little bit of like, I think this is a little my teacher conditioning because we couldn't just say whatever we wanted to say. I had to to edit myself a lot, you know, um, censor myself lots of times where I was biting my tongue. Um, But, you know, here in my business, I don't have to do that. 
right? Like I I get to like offend people if that's what happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like if people are repelled, like that's okay. I'm gonna really magnetize the people that are for me. And so I when and I think I said I made pivots and I I you know changed things up and I was willing to like take a revenue cut. That that was all the sacral saying, like, this is the change that you know you need to make. And yeah, you might not make as much money as you did last year. You might cut even or whatever, but it's so much better to build a business on solid foundation, a business that you actually like than to get to seven or multiple seven figures and then realize, man, I built a business I hate, right? So um, like, I, I think like the the biggest, that biggest breakthrough was like just really owning that I'm, I can, I'm very loving and compassionate, but I can also be very bold and direct and to the point. And like, that wasn't in my, messaging, like for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, I was like people pleasing all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's just like a, a really, like I changed even my podcast to uncensored. Like it just like that became like the transformation that happened within me became the transformation of the brand. Right. So the people pleaser in me, like we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. The name of the podcast is called uncensored the messaging is way more bold. There's color now, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, and like I took down an offer that just wasn't working for me. Not, it was working. It was like, I, like I said, I had six figure launches with this offer, but there was something that wasn't sitting with me. And I said, we need to just put this offer on hold. And I went back to selling one-on-one. Um, and now I'm selling an offer that like, I absolutely love. And I like, can't wait to welcome in new people too. So yeah, I think like those slowing down. Like that was another thing. Like just, no, I don't want to rush to scale. That doesn't feel good to me. Like that's (laughs) not what I actually want to do. Um, yeah. So all of those things I think was just really starting to have a more intimate relationship with my design and my sacral and Mm -hmm. my intuition and like really trusting it and not letting the mind get so involved all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what would you think if if you can even think of anything, what would it was the hardest part of really incorporating your design into your life and your business? Was there one? Um, I just think the hardest part for me was I'm a thinker. Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> deconditioning I am, the mind. <laughs> right. Like I'm a thinker. I, I like to ponder, like I read philosophy for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Like I just, I don't have it in here, but I just bought Aristotle's rhetoric, <laughs> like legit philosophy. I read philosophy for fun, right? Like I, at any given time, I have like three or four books that I'm reading and, you know, I'm a student, I'm a thinker. So like, I've, I love my mind mm-hmm. in so many ways, right? What I don't like is the ego yeah. <laughs> that gets involved and, you know, I'm taking on what, like I'm believing all the story. I think I had to learn to separate that a little. Um, so I think that was probably the hardest part. (laughs) I think that is the truth right there. That is the truth. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I have been living my whole life in a certain way. And I, and like you said, I actually like it. Like it's some, it's sometimes it serves me really, really well. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think too, what was really funny is, um, when you were like, okay, download your chart and, you know, and I had dabbled in it a little bit, but then when you were talking about the open centers and I'm looking at my chart, I'm like, this doesn't look like anybody else's chart I've seen. I've, I have like 
everything is open. There's like two everything. centers yeah. to find everything else is open. And I was like, that was, and I know like everyone's chart is their gift, but I really did not feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Where is all my definition that I'm here to work with? Yeah. And everything was open. So I think that was hard for me too. It's like really seeing, oh, I'm so open. Like, no wonder why I'm like following all these, you know, other people and, you know, like, okay, I'll do this or like taking on other, like really feeling my clients' emotions and things like that and not having this like super grounded place of like knowing I'm open. And then this is actually how I'm supposed to make decisions. Yeah. Yeah. This is who you are separate from anyone else. And that actually, I mean, I want you to look at it as all the open areas. That's where you are here to be the most wise. And with your six line, that is your energy really is the wise guide. Like you are the role model of, and so of course you love to um, be in your mind and in your emotions too, probably because you've been wise about what it takes to operate and succeed and figure things out and become more aware in, in those energetics. That's valuable to your clients, but yeah, it is one of those things where you're like, wait a minute here. Yeah, I know when I found out I was a one three and so forever, my three line is going to be experimenting, trialing and error and getting in it. And it's like, oh, well, based on my past, I don't know that I want to keep doing the three line. So at some point we have this like reckoning where we're like, okay, I got, I got to just figure it out. And I remember when I was communicating with my higher self, I said, I don't like that, that I'm a three line. And she mm -hmm. said, well, just think of it this way. You can choose what experiences to get involved in based on now your connection with your authority, your sacral. And I was like, okay, so the sacral will never really lead you off. It's never going to lead you off, but it, it might feel scary to follow sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. Sometimes I was like, oh wait, is, and I would question too, like, wait, is this actually my sacral? Is this my mind? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've really developed a, um, we were just talking yesterday, a, a big trust muscle in the universe. Yeah. What has your journey been with that? That's been, I think, I think I ride waves of that. I don't know if this is common for other people, but I've had lots of places, times in my life where it was like, there's, yeah, like this is, everything's conspiring for me and I'm trusting. And then there's times where I'm like gripping on for deal life to like control the outcome and like yeah. things happen. And I just, I don't know what shifts. I can't like even pinpoint the exact moment it shifted, but I do know that it shifted because it feels like calm. Like there's a calmness now where like, I just know like, and, and not in a way to like gaslight myself or trick myself. Like I truly believe like the things that happen, they're happening for my highest good. They really are happening. Like it's, you know, the things that we say are going wrong. They're often the things that go so right later on. Like you mm. might not see it in the moment, but you're like, oh, thank God that happened. Like yeah. this went it, because it actually was meant for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I know. I, I think I ride waves, but I mean, my trust muscle is so strong that even when I'm on a wave, I'm just like, really, really, this is what I have to go through right now. I mean, it's not that I don't trust, but it's like, I really don't want to have to go through this right now, you know? Yeah. So what we'll finish here because I know mm -hmm. we're, you know, 
time, but time is a thing. (laughs) But what advice would you give someone who is maybe at that stage where you were, where you're like waking up going, I don't want to stay in this other job and rely on income in this way. And who's really wanting to lean into their gifts and going all in on themselves. What advice would you give someone? Uh, if you know that that's what you want to do, like, you're like, yes, I want to, I want to have a business. I want to grow, or maybe you already have one. And you're like, I really want to grow this business. This is the thing that is my calling. I'm really going to say, get a mentor. I mean, that is like, I wish, and I had mentors. I have a mentor. She's been my mentor for like 12 years. She's a monk. Like I'm very loyal (laughs) to my mentors. I have mentors, but I had them for the craft. Mm. I had them for the craft. So I had my yoga teacher mentor, my Reiki mentor, like the people, like my, my uh, certification mentor. I can always go back if I, if I'm struggling in my, you know, with the coaching craft. Right. So I think for a lot of people, we're so conditioned to be like, yes, we want to learn how to do something like we're going to learn how to do something that we can, you know, make a business out of or go get a career and we go get degrees, we go get certified, we, we invest in the craft, but I forgot to get a mentor in business. Mm. And I would have moved mountains so much faster had I invested in a mentor and not just in my craft. Mm. And I see this all the time with people. They're like, I spent $20,000 on this coaching certification and now I, and I really want to make, you know, I really want to do this full time, but I'm not signing any clients. And it's like, well, have you found a mentor to support you in the growth of the business? And they'll say no. And there's like so much resistance to doing that. And it's like, but it's the same way you didn't have the skill of coaching or the skill of human design or the skill of, um, teaching yoga or, or massage or wellness, right. Holistic wellness. You had to go to school to learn that marketing is a skill, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's, it's a bona fide degree. You can get a doctorate in it, right? Like selling is a skill. Writing is a skill. These are all skills that, you know, you want to figure out what's the skill that maybe you are lacking and then go find a mentor and get a mentor. I think as soon as you possibly can, because it's, they're going to, they're really going to help you like shorten the amount of time it takes you to get your business up and running or hitting that next goal. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. Well, thank you so much, Denise, for coming on the show. I really want to encourage everyone to head to the link in the show notes and download Denise's visibility playbook. There are lots of gems inside that one. Give her a follow on Instagram and for sure go and download her podcast, Uncensored. You will love her take on all things business and freedom. And you can find all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Denise, for sharing your wisdom over here. Aww, thank you, Danielle, for sharing your community. And it's it's been such a pleasure working with you too. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening. If you feel like throwing some amazing karma out there, go ahead and leave a thoughtful review for this podcast and share it with one of your business besties. You can find more of me on TikTok, Instagram, and in my Facebook group find all the links in the show notes to never miss what's coming next over here. 